0: Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Crawley. This message is by Clive Urquhart. Great to be together today. And I wanna start this morning uh, by sharing a, a, a word that somebody had in the uh, in the church here, somebody who gets a lot of dreams, prophetic words, and uh, I, I just want to share this for the first few minutes, and then go into the word as a, a result of that. And uh, this lady was on a walk on VE Day last Friday, and uh, as she was walking, God began to speak to her, and she sort of had a bit of an open vision, really, in the context she was in. So I want to read this. This is really, really encouraging and uh, hopefully it's gonna just release faith for what God is doing and what he is gonna do. So this is what what she, she wrote. I was praying and thanking God for VE Day and all that means for us when I was overwhelmed with almost euphoria about his victory. It really knocked me sideways and I heard him say victory in Europe over and over. I was walking through a field praising him and he clearly said, stop and look. I was at the top looking down over the field and saw in the spirit a huge army. At the front was Jesus seated high on a white horse and he was holding his standard or battle flag. And I saw it was blood red and dripping. It is indeed the blood that is the ultimate victory and leads the way. It's the first thing that we confront the enemy with. Behind him, I saw three male riders on horses and I instinctively knew it was Moses, Abraham and David. Behind them were multitudes divided into 12 sections, the 12 tribes of Israel, each raising their standard. Behind, in between and surrounding them were the vast angel armies I've previously seen. Huge, golden, strong, serious and ready. Then I was taken up high to see more of an aerial view. I could see this uh, huge army was slowly, victoriously making their way all over Europe. As they passed over a nation, that golden anointing oil was left behind, cleansing. The army was not rushing into battle. This army were on a victory parade. The victory is already won and now the victors slowly make their way through Europe, slow enough so that everyone can stop and see who indeed has brought this victory. I didn't sense this was to do with the virus although so it might be linked, this was really signalling the move of the spirit at the coming Pentecost. My sense is it's showing us his victory will be manifest. It will be him that receives the glory as people's eyes are open to see the king of victory. Leaving behind this oil of revival in Europe, revival of our hearts, not just churches as we know them. It's left me with this huge knowing in his victory, victory over death, And victory in death, victory in every area, and it's coming soon. Well, so powerful and so encouraging. You know, God loves to speak to us and show us what He's doing now spiritually because often we see things in the natural and we hear a lot of things in the natural, but God wants to speak and help us to understand what is going on in the spirit, what's going on spiritually and what is He also about to do. Why? So that we are filled with hope. Biblical hope is God's certainty on its way. So we're filled with hope but also filled with faith which helps us to see things in the way that God sees things. That in the natural that we're in now, God helps us to see how He sees things from the Spirit spiritual point of view, but also that helps us to know how to pray, how to pray into what is currently happen, happening, but also how to pray into what God wants to do. So it's, it's awesome. God's angels, angelic forces are on the move. The Holy Spirit is on the move. But it also encourages us in the next few weeks that there's a fresh release and outpouring of of His Holy Spirit. There's a lot of prophetic voices coming out at the moment about Pentecost and what's about to happen. And as we're in the midst of of this uh, whole virus scenario and lockdown, and we're beginning to, at least the the kind of just some initial things of a a slight kind of lesser uh, of the lessening of the lockdown, things are gonna be changing coming out of this thing. We know we're not gonna go back to normal. We know things are gonna be different. And at this moment, God is also beginning to release His Spirit and will pour His Spirit out in a fresh way. So Pentecost is is a couple of Sundays away and we are going to come into that expectant that God's going to release His Spirit in a powerful way uh, in a couple of weeks' time. So off the back of that, let's get into the Word this morning. Let's continue with our whole theme of simply Jesus and living the Jesus life. And we're gonna look this morning in Matthew uh, chapter five at uh, some verses from one to 16. And and, uh, these verses are at the beginning of what we know is called the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters five, six and seven. Jesus gives a, a brilliant teaching in these few chapters. And what he does is he's talking about the kingdom life that that he came to bring and the kingdom life that people can now be part of and live in their lives. And Jesus in these chapters, Uh, really speaks right into the midst of a religious culture where the religious leaders of the day were basically saying, it's all about the outward, it's all about what you do, the outward appearance, doesn't matter what the inside's like as long as the outward looks right. And Jesus came and what did he do? He addressed the issue of the human heart. He began to speak beyond the facade, beyond the outward and he began to speak into the heart of people's lives. Why? Because God was wanting to come to bring his kingdom so that his kingdom life would come on the inside of people. And this is what Jesus came to, to speak about, to show how to live this kingdom life and what was possible for people to receive and come into themselves. Jesus wanted to blow all the religious Uh, uh, kind of lifestyle that the the religious leaders, he came to blow that away and he said, no, you can have a real relationship with the real living God and I've come to show you who he is and what it's like to know him. And so let's unpack these first few verses of Matthew chapter 5 today because we're going to talk about this kingdom that Jesus came to to give, this kingdom life that He came to give. And what is that kingdom life? It's the Jesus life. And in these first few verses of chapter five, He gives us a synopsis, a summary of the whole of the teaching of these few chapters and shows us really in a brilliant way, what does it mean to live this life of salvation, to live as a disciple of Jesus or a disciple of the kingdom, And what does this mean to live the Jesus life, the kingdom life? Now, when Jesus speaks, He always speaks into the now of our lives so that what He says is relevant today. So when He speaks often to the disciples, what is He actually doing? He's speaking into the now of their lives, but He was actually preparing them for a day that was gonna come where He was going to be leaving them and He was then going to send the Holy Spirit so that then they could live the life that He had called them to. And that's what Jesus is doing at the moment. He's speaking to us about in the midst of whatever's going on now, how do we live the Jesus life? How do we live this kingdom life? And how is He preparing us for a fresh release of the Holy Spirit, Pentecost, in a few weeks time, so there's a fresh release for everything He wants to do in a completely new way with a new release of His life and power to accomplish all of the, what is ahead of us. How many of you believe that? He empowers us ready to face all this coming our way in a way as we've heard from that, that prophetic dream and word in a victorious way, full of faith and full of expectation. Amen, amen. I don't know if you feel there's a bit of rush and a bit of hurry in terms of what's on my heart, but coming with but not in a place of rush or hurry. It's like there's an urgency in God's heart for us to live and to move in the things, but without trying to run it at our own pace and own things. So here we go, Matthew chapter five. What's the context? Jesus has begun his ministry. Large crowds were coming from Galilee, the Decapolis, which is the 10 cities, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Really, we're talking roughly about a hundred mile radius or so around Galilee area where he is. Now, that might not seem very much to us now, but back in that time, a hundred miles, when you think they walked everywhere or they rode on a donkey or maybe a camel or a horse, uh, it took a long time to cover a hundred miles, but people were coming from all over. So what did Jesus begin to teach? This Sermon on the Mount where they had, I don't know how many people were there listening, but let's begin to unpack this. Matthew 5 verse 1. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Whenever he taught or rabbis taught, they sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Now, in our Bibles, uh, often at the top of this section, it says, talks about the Beatitudes. Now, what are Beatitudes? Beatitudes basically mean supreme blessedness, supreme blessing. That's what the Beatitudes mean. What does the word bless mean? Because it, 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 what Jesus is going to teach is how do we live in the supreme blessing of who God is? And so the word bless means to be fulfilled, to be blissful, to be happy. To be blessed also means when God is present and involved in someone's life where His hand is at work directing their affairs for His divine purpose. Wow. I I, want to live in God's blessing. I want to live as a blessed person in that way. We are blessed when we have Jesus in our life, when we're born again, when we know him, we are blessed. But what does it mean to live blessed? We've just unpacked that now. So as we go through what it says here about a number of ways that Jesus talks about blessed are those who X, Y, and Z, we're going to uncover in a few minutes. What does it mean? Because Jesus What he does in a few verses, he unpacks salvation, discipleship and what that is gonna mean and what we might face in our lives as a result. So in these few verses, he's gonna unpack stuff in a really simple but brilliant way, okay? So verse three, what does Jesus start with? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, when he talks about poor in spirit, he means spiritually poor. The word poor there means connected to being spiritually poor, means to be like a beggar, to to live in utter helplessness, abject poverty, complete destitution. That's what he's talking about spiritually. When you don't know God, you are are spiritually living like a beggar in utter helplessness, abject poverty and complete destitution spiritually. Then what does he say? The people who are living like that, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is who the kingdom is for. This is who the fullness of his life and the richness of his kingdom is for. And Jesus said, in the middle of a religious culture of the day, where the people were being led by religious leaders, not into a reality of who God is, but in a religious suppressing lifestyle. He said, I've come to reveal the true kingdom. I've come to reveal God's kingdom. I've come to show you what you can have and what you can be part of. And if you don't know God in a personal way, you're poor in spirit, but the kingdom is exactly for people just like you. So he's saying, if you're poor in spirit, you qualify for everything that God, the Father wants to give you. Brilliant, so he came with some amazing good news unpacking the kingdom, huge statement to make in that religious culture. But what does he start with? He said, if you're poor in spirit, if you're not spiritually alive, if you don't know God, if you don't have a relationship with Him, The kingdom is just for you. It's the perfect thing that you need in your life. Then what does he do? He moves on from that initial message, okay, of saying the kingdom, God's rule and reign, his richness, his fullness is for you. He then says this in verse four, blessed are those fulfilled, content, happy are those who mourn for they will be comforted. What does the word mourn there mean? The word mourn there means to be sorrowful, to be full of sorrow, to be dejected, to live in distress, to be emotionally and mentally in pain and hurting. So what does Jesus say? He says, blessed are those. It seems contradictory to say blessed are those who are dejected, in distress, who are emotionally and mentally in pain and hurting. He says, no, blessed are you because if you're living like that, you qualify for this kingdom. And he says, blessed are you for they will be comforted. What does the word comfort there mean? Okay, It means for somebody strong to come alongside with help, courage and strength right in the moment of need. Comforted there means to be healed and restored. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying blessed are those who are in grief or loss or sorrow. So there there might be people who are living at this time because you've lost someone. You're living with grief in some way. There might be others of you who are living in sorrow, sorrowful because of circumstances, because of different things that are going on. And he said, right in the middle of that, blessed are those who are in those situations for they will be healed and restored. What's Jesus saying? He's basically saying that these are promises from the Father, from God the Father, that if you're living in these situations, this is what is for you. This is what you can receive. This kingdom of salvation, this kingdom of healing and restoration. Then what does he go on to say in verse five? Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, what does the word meek there mean? Often we think the word meek, it sounds weak, doesn't it? It sounds a bit insipid. It doesn't sound particularly strong, but actually the word meek there means someone who does not have an exalted opinion of themselves. The word meek actually means strength that is brought under control. It means someone who has submitted themselves, who is in humility, not wanting their own way. So what is Jesus saying here? Blessed are those who don't have a high and exalted opinion of themselves, Blessed are those who are submitting and living in humility for they will inherit the earth. Wow, what does that mean? Well, the word inherit means when you inherit something, you become an heir. When you inherit something, you come into, you obtain the fullness of whatever you're being given as an inheritance. To do with God's kingdom, the inheritance here is to do with sonship. It's here... Those who are meek, those who are humble, those who are not highly exalting themselves, they will inherit. They will come into a sonship, they will come into an inheritance of what? of all. The earth. So, what does it mean? It means believers can rule and reign on earth. So, no matter what is going on in the earth or on the earth, we can still rule and reign and have victory over it in the situation, in the circumstances. So, what does it mean in inheritance? Of the earth. It means the fullness of his life right now on earth in the midst of negativity, in the midst of challenge. We can live in the fullness of who we are in Christ, but it also means an inheritance of the new heaven and earth that is to also come. Okay, so we not only have victory now, but we have victory and inheritance in the age that is to come. So the other side of death, the other side of when Jesus returns and when there's a new heaven and a new earth, we're gonna live with Him in that victory then in the new heaven and the new earth. Okay, so there's a kind of double meaning there. But what it does mean for us right now is that as of the kingdom of God now on earth, we can live in the fullness of His life the abundance of his life. So we see here, Jesus is beginning to unfold a story. He starts with, I've come with a kingdom, a kingdom that you can have, you can inherit, you can receive. If you are spiritually poor, this kingdom is for you. If you are living in sorrow and mourning and distress, this kingdom is for you. This kingdom of salvation, this kingdom of healing, this kingdom of restoration. And as you come into this kingdom, this kingdom life, and you begin to live a life that is meek, a life that is not about highly exalting yourself, it's it's a life of humility, then you come into living this life of inheritance, this life of victory, this life of overcoming right now on the earth as you live day by day. It's brilliant in terms of what Jesus is teaching and showing these guys. Then where does He go from there? You've come come into this life of the kingdom. You come into this victorious life that you can now live. Then what does it say? Verse 6 of chapter 5. Blessed, so happy, fulfilled, living in the way that God is working in your life. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. There's a few different words in here. Let's have a look. We look, we've already looked at the word blessed, but what does it mean hunger and long? It means desire, appetite. Hunger is something that you, you have a desire for, an appetite for, something you go after, something you long for, something you want. And so it says, blessed are those who hunger, desire, have an appetite for and are going after and thirst, you, you, when you have a thirst, you want, to, you want that thirst to be quenched. You want to drink of something that's going to quench that thirst. And what is, what is Jesus saying here? Those that hunger, have an appetite. Those who drink, those who go after righteousness. What is that? Righteousness is, the, is God's life in us being expressed through us so that what is wrong becomes right, the things that are out there, so that God's righteousness, God's justice is outworked in us and around us. So we want to live the right thing in the right way. We want to live God's way and uh, his nature and character being expressed through us in the way that he wants it to. So when we live in that way, what does, again, God's promise say here, they will be filled. They'll fill with what? They'll be filled with God, filled with his life, filled with his desires, filled with his longings, filled with his ways, with his righteousness. What does that mean? There's going to be an overflowing life that flows out of us. I want just want to read Isaiah 55 verses 1 and 2 because it kind of sums up what Jesus is saying here. Let's have a look at Isaiah 55 1 and 2. He says here, come all who are thirsty come to the waters. This is talking about the beginning of what he was teaching. Come to into this salvation. Come into the salvation of the kingdom. Come into this kingdom life. Come all who are thirsty. Come to the waters, his living water. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. What's he talking He's not talking about it's physical money. He's talking about spiritual, those that you, you have, you have nothing to give to God. We come with nothing, but come with the nothing of who you are and God's going to give us everything of who he is. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Verse two, why spend money on what is not bread? Why spend your life on what's going to have no spiritual, eternal consequences? Why spend your life on something that's gonna have no fruit and your labour on what does not satisfy? I don't know how many of you have found, but when you go after things in the natural and you might get that thing, or you do what you wanted to do, how many of you find that it just creates an even more desire for the next thing and something else? How many of you find that desire is never ever quenched, is never ever fulfilled? Because desire just grows and there can be a desire that causes negative impact in our life or there can be desire that causes godly outcomes in our life. And what Jesus understands is if you have a godly desire to know Him, that desire is just going to grow and grow and grow as you go after Him. What does it finish with in this verse? Listen, listen to me, the writer says, and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of Fair. What does that mean? It means if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we will be filled, we will be satisfied. We won't have to medicate on other things or other stuff because our fulfillment, our satisfaction will be in Him. So there's this progression here. He's gone from salvation and coming into the kingdom. He's gone beyond just being healed and restored. He's now talking about the life that you live in the kingdom, the life that you live in relation. This is what it looks like, guys. This is what he's saying to the crowds and the disciples. This is what he's saying to us. And then what else does he say in terms of now expressions? We have a hunger for God, a hunger to know Him. What does that look like now being expressed to others? He goes into verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the merciful. Now, what does the word mercy mean? Mercy means God treating us in a way that we don't deserve. So what does that mean? We need to reciprocate that mercy. We need to express that mercy to others. If God is merciful to us and treats us in a way we don't deserve, then He wants us to be merciful to others, even when we don't think they need that mercy or should deserve it because God did something for us by dying on the cross through Jesus when we didn't deserve it at all. But it's because he did something for us that we can now come into everything that he wants to give us. So, What does the word merciful mean? It means to be forgiving. It means to not want revenge. It means also to alleviate suffering, affliction and distress in other people's lives. That's what God's mercy did with us. He alleviated the suffering from sin and affliction and distress there was in our lives. And now because God has shown us His mercy and He says, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. So as we are merciful to others, and practically we express that to others, it says then we will be shown mercy, that we receive and live in the good of his mercy. So because he's shown us his mercy, we can express that life to others, okay? Then what else does it say? Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart. Now, the word heart there means heart, mind. It means really the seat of who you are, the seat of your desires, the seat of your affections and passions and everything that goes on within you. He says, blessed are those who are pure in heart for they will see God. The word see there means not just visually, oh, I'm going to see God and that's going to be amazing. It means there to know God experientially. That's what it means, blessed are those who at the seat of their lives, the very essence of their being now, because they've come into a relationship with God, His salvation is real, His healing and restoration is real. We're beginning to live in the good of this life that He's called us to, to live this blessed life, this Jesus life. It then says, okay, at the seat of our lives, blessed are those who are pure in heart. Those who are not living a surface level facade life, but those who inwardly, the motive and the desire and the thoughts of the heart and the mind, the life inwardly is after him. I want to be like Jesus. I want to live this Jesus life. I want to know God. I want to know God experientially, not just experiences of God, as as a feeling or an emotion, but I want to know God in an experiential reality, the reality of who He is in me. I want to experience the reality of His revelation. The word see God here means to be exposed to Him, to encounter Him, uh, to witness Him firsthand and experience Him and be in His presence. Pastor Collins said something recently, a few weeks ago, in a short blog he did for the uh, congregation down in Taunton. He said that there are two kinds of believers. There are those that have primary faith and those that have secondary faith. And he said that during this season of time, God God is wanting to move everybody from being a Uh, secondary faith person to a primary faith person. What does that mean? Somebody who has primary faith is somebody who knows God and goes to God first. Somebody who, when God speaks, they believe, they trust in Him. They don't necessarily need somebody else to ignite their faith or give them faith or lead them constantly. Uh, God wants us to be primary faith believers, especially in this time where whatever's going on, we go to God first. We say, Father, what are you saying? My trust is in you. I want to be a primary faith person. I don't want to be a secondary faith person or believer where I'm reliant on someone else's faith to be in faith. No, I want to be a primary faith person. And this is what Jesus is speaking about here. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, because they will encounter experience, they'll begin to grow and know the reality of God in their own life. Then what does he say going on from here? He He says in verse nine, "'Blessed are the peacemakers, "'for they will be called sons of God.'" What is a peacemaker? A peacemaker is different to a peacekeeper. A peacemaker is somebody who brings reconciliation, somebody who brings peace into a situation where there isn't peace. What does that mean? It really means to bring God's salvation, the peace, the reconciliation of His salvation to others and all that that means. And it says here, blessed are those who are peacemakers for they will be called sons of God. Who are sons of God? Sons of God are those that have surrendered and given their lives to Jesus. They've become children of God. They've become sons of God. They now have the spiritual DNA of Jesus on the inside of them. God's life, nature and uh, character. And what does God want to do then? as, As Jesus is speaking in this unfolding message that He's bringing about, what does it mean to live a blessed life? What does it look like to live blessed? Part of that means to be a peacemaker, to somebody who takes The salvation that they have received and living in the good of, and they now take that to others so they can be reconciled to God, so that they can also be at peace with God. It's reproducing the spiritual DNA, it's really living as a disciple of Jesus that God is speaking about at this time into our lives. So let's just see and unfold look a little bit more the succession, the, the unfolding story that Jesus is giving. Verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Ah, now you might say this morning, I liked everything you've said up to this point uh, I like to receive all God's blessing. I like to receive all His forgiveness. I like, like to receive His mercy, His healing, His reconciliation, His restoration. I love to encounter Him and see Him and meet with Him. And oh, that's the kind of Christianity that I love. I love that. I love that. Tell me more about that. Now, Jesus goes on another step because He's saying, hey guys, there's a maturing. There's a deepening. There's something more to live in this kingdom life than just being on the receiving end of all of God's goodness in the way that I've been explaining to you so far. This is what Jesus is saying to the crowd. He then says, there's some other realities to living this life as well. What does he say? Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Wow. He's saying those who are living this righteous life you will be persecuted. You're gonna face some stuff that in the natural, you might not like, that might not be easy. But when you face that, what Jesus is saying is, know that you are blessed. I am with you in the midst of that. I'm working out my plans and my purposes all the way in the middle of all of that. So what's He basically saying? When you live the righteous life, you are living the right thing. You are doing the right thing. But there might be some opposition that comes your way. But the, the life that you have can never, ever be stolen. So what's Jesus doing? He's preparing people. He's letting them know, hey, there's this kingdom life. And sometimes when you live the kingdom life, there's things that happen around you that don't necessarily go according to the way you would like them to or the way you even think they should. But in the midst of challenge, opposition and even persecution, you are blessed. Continue to live the kingdom life. Continue to live in my righteousness. Okay, so, so important. This is Jesus speaking about spiritual character and strength in our lives. Then where does he go from here? Verse 11. Blessed are those when people insult you. So he doesn't say blessed are you if... People, He says when people, so when we live this life that God has called us to, sometimes you're gonna get insulted, sometimes you're gonna, you're gonna get persecuted and people are gonna say false things. Let's read the verse. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. What does he say? In the midst of persecution, whatever, you're blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed. What does he say our response should be? Verse 12. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were uh, before you. So, what's Jesus saying? He's saying, hey, if you're going to walk with me, if you're going to live this kingdom life, if you're going to love, be merciful, if you're going to be a peacemaker if you're going to live a life that is beyond your own life, you're going to face opposition. The enemy, the devil, does not like that. The spirit of this age does not like that. It will come against you. But in the midst of that, what's Jesus saying? Rejoice, be glad, rejoice in all circumstances. Give thanks to God uh, in, in every circumstances for this is His will in Christ Jesus. He's basically saying, hey guys, If you live the kingdom life, you are blessed. But in that blessing, there might be some challenges. There might be some stuff that you're going to have to face. And then just to finish, what did he then say? Hey guys, this kingdom life isn't just a personal blessing where you live in a lovey-dovey thing with Jesus and all of that, no. This kingdom life has got to advance, it's got to be expressed, it's got to be seen because there are so many people that don't know about this kingdom life at this point. So what does he then say? This kingdom life is and what it means in people's lives. He sums it up and he says, what does this mean? He says, if you live this kingdom life, you become the salt of the earth. You become the flavor, the saltiness that people need in their lives to discover. But then he says, But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. But then he says in verse 14, What does this kingdom life mean? You are the light of the world, a town built on a hill, or a city built on a hill that cannot be hidden. What else does it mean? People don't light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What's Jesus saying right at the end there? In a religious culture that just said, it's all about the outward actions. His message is, no, this is about the heart. And from the overflow of the heart in relationship with God, living a blessed life in the way that he's just talked about, the life of God is then going to flow from the inside on the outside and that light is going to be seen in a real way, full of love, full of life, full of mercy, full of goodness, whatever way God wants to express it. And he said, when we live this life, these deeds, this life are going to glorify our Father in heaven. Let's just close our eyes for a minute. Let's just take a moment just to pray and respond to the Lord. There's a lot in here this morning. But Jesus takes us on this brilliant journey of unpacking the kingdom life in a few verses. It starts with coming into relationship with God. It starts with salvation come into this Kingdom life, be born again, start a totally new life. There might be people watching this morning uh, and you don't know Jesus. You've never responded to Him. You don't have His Kingdom life on the inside of you. You're not part of His Kingdom in that sense. Maybe for some of you, your first response today is say, Jesus, I want to have this Kingdom life. I want to receive this Kingdom that you want to give me. I want to come into relationship with me. What does His Kingdom life mean? It means His rule and reign in us, that He becomes Lord in our lives. Now, if that's something you want this morning, you can respond to Him and say, Jesus, I want You to be Lord today. I want to give You my life today and I want You to give me Your life because I want You to be Lord. I want to come into this Kingdom, Your Kingdom, and have relationship with You. There might be others of you, you're in a situation where you're mourning and that might be a sense of loss, literally somebody has lost in your family or your friends, circle of friends. It might be at this moment that you're living sorrowful. There's dejection, distress, emotional, mental pain, hurting going on. Where, whatever's going on in your life it'll, it'll relate to that, just close your eyes and be in His presence right now. and literally just give all of those things to Him. The distress, the dejection, the pain, the hurt. Say, Father, I, I, I give it to you. I let it go. I put it in your hands. And now just thank Him in this moment, right now, that He comes upon you, He comes in you. And He begins to deal with that sorrow. He begins to heal brokenheartedness. He begins to deal with the distress and the stress and the pain. Father, I thank You for the release of Your Spirit right now, bringing healing emotionally, mentally right now by Your Spirit into people's lives. Thank You, Lord. Just continue to receive as we continue to pray. Just be in a place of receiving. You don't have to try and do anything. As you give stuff to Him, He then comes and does only what He can do. Just keep receiving. Then it talks about the meek. Maybe some of us just need to de-exalt ourselves this morning. Somebody who's meek does not exalt an opinion of themselves above everybody else or above everything else. Maybe some just need to say, Father, I ask you to forgive me for pride or arrogance. I want to just submit myself afresh. I don't want to exalt myself, but I want to humble myself afresh this morning. I want to live in that full inheritance of who I am as a son. I don't want to be wielding anything in my own life outside of who you are, outside of that sonship. So I just want to bring myself afresh under your Lordship. Maybe others of you in the next verse, hunger and thirst after righteousness. Maybe just bring yourself before the Lord and then, Father, I want to set myself in a fresh way to hunger and thirst that you become my satisfaction. I want to live filled and overflowing with who you are. So I thank you, Jesus. I want to set my face to go after you in a fresh way, your righteousness, that I eat and drink of you, not of other things, to try and find satisfaction or be medicated on anything, anything else. But I want to find my full fulfillment, satisfaction in you, fresh hunger and thirst for your righteousness. Father, forgive me, maybe in the next verse. Father, where I haven't shown mercy. Father, I forgive, forgive me where I've not been merciful, where I've judged, where I've wanted revenge in any way, shape or form. Father, forgive me where I've not been merciful. Maybe you need to name a situation before the Lord. Say, Father, I, I just forgive that person. Forgive me for not being merciful, but I forgive them right now, I let that go. I thank you for restoration in that friendship and that relationship. I thank you, Jesus, that as I show mercy and forgiveness, I receive now your forgiveness and mercy. Just whatever you're dealing with now, just continue in that. Next verse says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Father, I thank you for clean hands and a pure heart. Father I just wanna, if there's anything you know you need to get right with God, do that right now. Father I thank you for a clean heart, a pure heart. Father I wanna see, I wanna know you in a fresh way. I wanna know you in a fresh way. I want the experiential reality of knowing you. You might need to continue praying through that for a few moments. If that's relevant for you, just continue to do business with God where you are. The next verse is blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God. That's beginning to take our faith to others, beginning to share the gospel with others, being a reconciled peacemaker. Yes, it means in practical situations, you might help bring peace into arguments and that, but also it means a salvation bringer. Maybe we just need to bring ourselves before the Lord and say, Father, where there's barrenness in sharing the gospel, I ask you to forgive me, first of all, for not taking opportunities where I could have done. Father, I want to be a peacemaker. We're going to be running Alpha online from the beginning of June. And this is a great opportunity to be thinking and praying and and then inviting friends online for Alpha, the lockdown is going to be going on for a little while longer, we've got a great opportunity. We can have more information after, uh, after the message in a few moments, but you can be praying into that great opportunity. Why? Because we want to be sons of God. What do sons do? Sons reproduce the DNA in them, and we want to reproduce the spiritual DNA of God's life in us. So Father, we thank you. Instead of barrenness, we're going to begin to give birth We're gonna see others come to know you as a result. We thank you, Lord. And the last couple of things, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, blessed are those when you are insulted. Maybe some of you just need to say, Father, where I have been persecuted or others have come against me and I've I've taken an attitude and I've taken umbrance and offence, I let that go right now. Father, in the midst of that, for all of us, Father, prepare us. For where there may be days ahead, where there is more or greater opposition or challenge, where there might be persecution much more directly towards Christianity and the church. Maybe we think, oh, that won't happen in the UK. We're a sort of backdrop Christian country. Who knows? But we want to be ready. Because Jesus says when you're persecuted, when others insult you. So Jesus, I want to live ready, I want to be ready in the way that you want me to. So in the midst of that, I choose to rejoice and be glad. Thank you, Jesus, you call us to be salt and light within our homes, salt and light to our friends and neighbours at this time, salt and light to those that we interact with Zoom, Zoom Zooming in our small groups, or we communicate within Facebook to friends and colleagues and whoever they are. So Father, we thank you for your life being released through us. In your mighty name, we praise you. We thank you, Jesus. And Jesus, I thank you that you t- you've taken us on this, this kingdom life journey this morning. And that you prepare us for the, in these coming few weeks for this release of your spirit and, on Pentecost. Release your spirit when the gospel is going to accelerate in a fresh way. The gospel of your kingdom is going to go out in an accelerated way. We praise your mighty wonderful name and everybody said Amen, Amen Thank you all. be really really blessed guys, have a great week uh, Bless you Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast We trust it's been an encouragement to you For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com